one of the most tired things we see in the world of secular politics is the tactic of the secular left, where they call anyone who disagrees with their weird racial politics a racist. Yes, if you have a different opinion on almost anything racially charged today, and that is pretty much everything, then to many of these people, you're a racist. But most of us are used to being called a racist from people in the secular political world because oftentimes they don't have a real argument for their ideas. But it's a little different when that accusation of racism comes from the highest office in the church, because it does show the lie that is the rhetoric of accompaniment that we constantly hear from our betters in the hierarchy. They're not really willing to accompany us on their faith on our faith journey. That, and on a related note, we'll check in with a friend of the channel that we haven't heard from in a long time. And by friend, I mean none other than Cardinal Supich, friend of this channel. It has been quite a long time since we have checked in with the man who decided that the proper and just thing to do was to persecute a Catholic priest for defending the faith and life of the church against sexual perversion. So let's check up with him because he just wrote a stunning and brave letter to the local Chicago Catholic newspaper chastising all of us for being against the worship of Packy Mommy at the Amazon Synod. Enculturation, A Two-Way Street by Cardinal Blaise Supich Published on the Wednesday, November 6, 2019 in Chicago Catholic During last month's Synod for the Amazon held in Rome, an incident occurred that outraged many people. Early one morning, two people were removed from the Church of St. Mary in Transpontina statues that were used in the opening ceremonies of the Synod and threw them into the Tiber River. The artwork from the Amazon region depicted a pregnant woman, a symbol of motherhood and the sacredness of life. That represents for indigenous peoples the bond humanity has with our Mother Earth, much as St. Francis of Assisi portrayed in his Canticle of the Creatures. As a further act of contempt, those responsible posted a video online showing them leaving the church with the statues and tossing them into the river. The public celebration of this act was done in the name of defending Catholic tradition and doctrine, as the perpetrators claimed the statues were pagan idols and had no place in a Catholic church. Let's admit that the statues originated from a religious culture that is pre-Christian or considered quote-unquote pagan. What is the church's approach as it engages such cultures? From the early days of the church, Christians believed that the seeds of faith have been planted in the hearts of all human beings even before the word of God is proclaimed. As such, the early church welcomed the people of every culture, realizing that both the cultures and the church are enhanced in coming to know God. A 1994 document issued by the Vatican Congregation for Divine Worship, Enculturation on the Roman Liturgy, speaks of the double movement of enculturation. On the one hand, the spiritual qualities and gifts proper to each person are brought to fruition in a way that strengthens these qualities, perfects them, and restores them in Christ. See Gaudium et Spes, paragraph 58. On the other hand, the text continues, the church assimilates these values when they are compatible with the gospel, to deepen understanding of Christ's message and give it more effective expression in the liturgy and in the many different aspects of the life of the community of believers. See Gaudium et Spes, paragraph 58. This double movement in the work of enculturation thus expresses one of the component elements of the mystery of the Incarnation. The newly canonized St. John Henry Newman 
reminded Christians in the 19th century to approach other cultures, even if they are non-Christian, with humility. In his 1878 essay on the development of Christian doctrine, he noted that the church has always adopted pagan elements in its traditions and especially its liturgical rites. The use of temples and these dedicated to particular saints and ornamented on occasions with branches of trees, incense, lamps and candles, votive offering on recovery from illness, holy water, asylums, holy days and seasons, use of calendars, processions, blessings on the fields, sacerdotal vestments, the tonsure, the ring in marriage, turning to the east, images at a later date, perhaps the ecclesiastical chant, and the Kyrie eleison are all of pagan origins and sanctified by their adoption in the church. I was pleased that a Vatican spokesman cited this passage in response to the vandalism in Rome. The starting point for coming to a proper understanding of enculturation in our tradition then is the humble recognition that, as the letter to the Hebrews reminds us, quote, in times past God spoke in partial and various ways to our ancestors through the prophets, and in these last days he spoke to us through a son, whom he made heir of all things, and through whom he created the universe. God has revealed himself in human living in an incarnational way, and the fullness of the incarnate God is the person of Jesus. During my years serving as the bishop in western South Dakota, I learned a great deal from the Lakota people. For instance, they helped me to better understand Catholic teaching on the communion of saints. The Lakota have a rich tradition of honoring their ancestors. The curtain between time and eternity is much thinner for them, which has much to say to us Christians who live in a western culture where the sense of the eternal or life beyond this world is losing meaning. Our tradition and my own experiences have taught me that our approach to other cultures always must be done with humility, but also curiosity, always open to how God's self-revelation can be better understood in the double movement enculturation implies. At the heart of our tradition of enculturation is the fundamental belief that God desires the salvation of all he has created. A recent passage we read in our liturgy from the Book of Wisdom testifies to this belief in praising God with these words, You have mercy in all, because you love all the things that are. Thus, those are the words of Cardinal Blaise Supich, friend of this channel. So, I have to say, Cardinal Supich does a fine job of making what the young men did who tossed the demonic idols into the Tiber River sound pretty bad. If I was just a typical Catholic who didn't spend much time paying attention to the Amazon Synod, and had only heard rumors from people who pay a lot of attention to these kind of things, I might be convinced that what those young men did was pretty bad. Like any skilled propagandist, he's pretty crafty with his words. That's all to be expected, of course, though I do have to ask him, just what are you implying? Are you saying that, as you, you called your piece, Enculturation, a two-way street, that we as Catholics should bow before graven images? That we should worship Mother Earth? that we should adopt some of the questionable practices of the indigenous population of the Amazon, like their practice of burying alive unwanted babies. Inquiring minds want to know, your eminence. But don't worry, because, like I said at the beginning, if you object to this, the Pope has dubbed you a racist. Here are the words of Francis. I'll quote him directly, so that I don't get accused of distorting his words. Quote, There are circles and sectors of people that present themselves as ilustrados, enlightened, they sequester the proclamation of the gospel through a distorted reasoning that divides the world between civilization and barbarism. 
The idea that the Lord has among his favorites many dark-complexioned people irritates them. It puts them in a bad mood. They consider a large part of the human family as a lower-class entity, incapable, according to their standards, of achieving decent levels in spiritual and intellectual life. On this basis, contempt can develop for people considered to be second-rate. He added that all this also emerged during the Synod of Bishops for the Amazon. End quote. <laughs> Woo, lad. I have to say it's kind of astonishing to see a presumed Pope of Rome descend to this level of dismissal of our collective concerns. I can safely say that none of us cares one bit about the skin color of the indigenous peoples in the Amazon. Instead, we do care that the first commandment was violated and was done right at the Vatican, right in front of the Pope and the hierarchy. But remember what I said at the start, that calling people racist is often done by people when they have no argument. I can't imagine what the counter-argument would be that defends open paganism in Rome, or at least I can't imagine what a counter-argument would be that preserves a Catholic faith without descending into the godless atheism of universalism. And that's the point, because there isn't a counter-argument. So instead, the mask slips and we get an attack leveled against us that accuses us of being the worst thing in the world to the socialist mind today. A racist. Because the modern socialist has weaponized racial tensions to achieve their demonic goals. And all that ignores the fact that the Amazonian indigenous peoples themselves recently came out and admitted that rites we saw in Rome were pagan in origin and intention. Of course, no statement like this would be complete without adding another layer of deception. In this case, the deception lies in claiming that the paganism we saw on display was done in the name of missionary evangelization. Quoting Martin Buddy's article in LifeSite directly, quote, Pope Francis advocated for a renewal of a missionary spirit in the church. He said that nowadays Catholics must bear in mind that the revealed message is not identified with a particular culture. And when meeting new cultures or cultures that have not accepted the Christian proclamation, we must try not to impose a determined cultural form together with the evangelical proposition. Proselytism is always violent by nature, he said, and cuts out Christ and grace from the Holy Spirit. Without aid from the Holy Spirit, mission work is but a religious or perhaps an ideological conquest, perhaps carried out even with good intentions. Being moved by the Holy Spirit, said the Pope, produces an attraction for those who want to follow the path of missionaries. Missionaries should work in facilitating, making easy, without placing obstacle to Jesus' desire to embrace everyone, to heal everyone, to save everyone. They should not be selective, impose pastoral tariffs, or be guards who control who has the right to enter. End quote. And that's pretty rich, considering that one of the most influential men at the Synod was Bishop Krautler, a man who said that in his entire career he has never baptized an indigenous person and has no intention of ever doing so in the future. We know it was by his own words that this has nothing to do with missionary evangelization, and we know that this has nothing really to do with paganism for Francis. All that is convenient window dressing for his agenda of partnering with the UN for the implementation of the Sustainable Development Goals for that satanic organization. And how do we know that? Because on October 28th in Rome, literally the day after the Synod ended, representatives from the Vatican signed an oath of allegiance with the UN for achieving those goals. So there you have it. The real issue is power and money and possibly the establishment of a one-world religion in partnership with a wannabe one-world government, and one that would make a really lame one-world government. If that sounds extreme, you probably didn't pay attention to my video on Friday about the history of sustainable development in the church. 
and how the sustainable development goals of the UN have always been about managerial control of society on a global level. Anyway, I'll leave you with the words of Archbishop Vigano, who said in an exclusive interview what most of us have been thinking, quoting Vigano, The abomination of idolatrous rites has entered the sanctuary of God, and has given rise to a new form of apostasy, whose seeds, which have been active for a long time, are growing with renewed vigor and effectiveness. He continues, The process of the internal mutation of the faith, which has been taking place in the Catholic Church for several decades, has seen with this synod a dramatic acceleration towards the foundation of a new creed, summed up in a kind of worship. In the name of enculturation, pagan elements are infesting divine worship so as to transform it into an idolatrous cult. End quote. Again, there you have it. All that's missing is a reference to the Alliance with the Global Population Control Movement, embodied in the UN Sustainable Development Goals. But otherwise, Vigano nails it with his statement. A link to that interview in LifeSite is on the Sources blog for anyone who wants to read it. So what are your thoughts on this? Are you ready to get labeled a racist for denying that pagan idolatry should be permitted in the Holy See? Are you ready to stand up for the Church and for the truth of the faith in the face of this unprecedented apostasy and crisis? Those things are coming, so you better be prepared. But let me know your thoughts in the comments below. Thank you for listening. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.